you have your Bibles, turn with me to James 3. I told 8 o'clock service this morning, I think I'm the most blessed pastor in the world to be able to follow behind that worship team. There's going to be a Sunday where I'm going to walk up and say, I've got nothing to say. We're just going to worship today. But that's not today. (laughs) So don't get excited. James chapter 3, and we're going to be in Matthew 12 too. James 3, Matthew 12. I'm going to have to tell you, I didn't realize how spoilt I was until last Sunday morning. I wasn't feeling good when I got here. My sinuses had been working on me all week. And um, literally got in here, and um, 8 o'clock it was fine. About this time, we lost one of our air conditioning units, quit working. The drain pan filled up. And I was standing up here, and I was thinking to myself, I said, I must be burning up with fever. I had sweat running down my back. And uh, I said, man, I'm dying up here. God, just let me make it through this. And then I found it was the air conditioning. I didn't have fever, so I felt a little bit better. But I said, gee whiz, I'm spoiled because when it went to 75 degrees, I thought it was 110 up here on stage last Sunday. But anyway, we're in James, and, you know, with the first two chapters, we're doing an overview of the book as we go through. And the deeper I get into James, I ask God this week, whose idea was this to preach through this book? Because I'm not liking it, because um, it's working on me. So we're going to be there, but we have a video I want to watch talking about just the power of words real quick. Within our words, an unseen power is set in motion. The tongue is a small thing, but, like a tiny spark, can set a great force on fire. Once spoken, our words begin blazing a trail through the hearts and lives of those around us. One kind word can demolish guilt. It can inspire hope. But the same words have also embraced hatred and executed innocence. Once spoken, our words scorch through feelings and emotions on a level that only they can produce. Your words set up a chain of events beyond your control and of which you will never know. One word can destroy beliefs, harden hearts, or cultivate hatred. But they can also demonstrate faith, display forgiveness, and nurture love. The power of life and death lies in a single word, and we, the image of God, have this power in one word. How many would agree that one word is powerful? There's been revolutions, there's been riots, there's been revivals, and there's been reformation started with just one word. And I don't think we realize that at times. What comes out of our mouth either builds up or it tears down. And so as we read this morning, let's start in James chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and anyone is never at fault in in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by the, um, strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the pilot, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is, on fi- is a fire, 
a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. When the tongue, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, again, just to say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for right now, this moment. And Father, I just ask that you show us our hearts. Father, show us what we should say for you. Father, show us how to control this thing we call a tongue. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, when you look at the tongue, how many of us has trouble with our tongue? Huh? We have trouble with it, don't we? Some of us aren't being honest, but I'm not going to call you out. But some of us have trouble with our tongue. You know, some of us have what we call restless tongue syndrome. We can't help it. It just works, right? But, um, you know, last Sunday we talked about that we're not saved by works, but we work for God because we're saved. This week we're going to be talking about the words that we should be using as believers in God. And so when you start looking at these things, you know, and, and um, turn with me to Matthew because I want to validate what I'm saying. Go over to Matthew Matthew chapter 12, because in James, whenever it says in verse 1 of um, chapter 3, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. But when you go over to Matthew 12, what's it tell us in verse 36? But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And I tell you, that verse scares me to death because you think about what it's saying. It's saying your words are either going to get you a good nod or a bad nod when you get to heaven. And so you read that, you know, and then when you read over in, in James chapter 3, verse 1, where it says that people, you know, pastors and Sunday school teachers or anybody that stands up in position, we're going to be judged stricter for our words. That ought to scare us to death at times, right? Because when you really look at it this morning, y'all are judging me on what I'm telling you, right? Hopefully y'all are judging me well, but if you're not, it's okay. Because these aren't my words, these are God's words, and I'm just a mouthpiece. And so when you look at it, you know, and he goes on, and I think, you know, James, whenever he starts talking about this, he puts it in such vivid illustrations on the power of our tongues. And when it goes on and it says that when you put a bit in a horse's mouth, how many of us know what a bit is? You know, you can't find a bit around here. I called several people that have horses and or I couldn't get a hold to them. I was trying to find a bridle to bring with the bit. But you know, that, that piece of metal is only about this long and probably about as big as my pinky finger, a little bit smaller. And that one bit will control that 1,200-pound horse. It'll put that horse wherever you want it to go and you know, I grew up around horses. I never rode horses. If 
for me to ride a horse looks like I'm riding a Shetland pony doing 70 miles an hour. You know, I love to watch somebody that can really ride a horse ride a horse, you know, because it's just fluid to watch them ride. Me, it's a comedy show to watch me ride a horse. But whenever you, I was talking to, I, I texted on a couple of young ladies that I know that ride competitions right now and said, describe a bit to me. What, what's the bit do? And so, um, and I told them they put on their reference, on their resumes that, that they're a ministry assistant for helping me do research and stuff now. And so whenever they answered back, both of them said, you can either stop the horse or you can tell the horse you want to go faster, make it go right, you make it go left. But without that bit, you have no control. He's going to go where he wants to go. And so, um, you know, there's some of us, and I told the 8 o'clock service, I started to get Mike up here and put his fingers in his mouth and steer him around the stage. You know, that would have been pretty funny, wouldn't it? You know, just to, Tammy, what do you think? I think it would have been funny. Just to show the power of what you can do when you get something in somebody's mouth. But when James is talking, you know, and he looks, he says, you can control these big animals like this. And he goes on and he talks about the rudder on a ship. Now, we don't have as many sailboats now, but we still have big boats, don't we? And how many of us has ever seen a rudder? We know what a rudder is. Y'all know what a rudder is? That rudder's not that big compared to the ship. And so I got to looking because I grew up, well, I didn't grow up, but when I was working in engineering, I was on that Mississippi River a lot. And on that river, you see um, tugboats or towboats, don't you? And you see all the barges that they can push and they can move. And I was reading, it says that most of them can push up to 25 barges that puts it 1,000 feet in length and 175 feet wide that that one boat with that one rudder is controlling. Now, I don't know if you've ever saw an aerial shot of the Mississippi River. It is not a straight shot. It just goes kind of wherever it wants, all the way up north. And yet these boats can use that to maneuver. And as I was looking at it, it says that, you know, that rudder, it takes that rudder, but then also they have to have the engines to kick in and have the power to push as they get in these turns. Well, in my mind, I started thinking, well, that power that, to compare it in our lives is the Holy Spirit. And so we let the Holy Spirit kick its power in on our tongue, then we can do what God's calling us to do. And so, you know, when we start looking at how he, he breaks this down, you know, because the tongue has the power to direct. I've seen men stand and, and direct a thousand people with one tongue. I've seen women stand and direct a thousand people with no tongue. And I've seen positive come out of it. But then I've also seen negative come out of it. I've seen them stand and, you know, and destroy people. So that's why we have to be careful with how we direct and what we're doing. And that's what God makes it so clear to us. But then when we go on in and, and, um, Proverbs 21, 23, it says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs is telling us, keep your mouth shut and your life will be better. Think about it, you know? And so it's, it's just one illustration after another. But when you get down into verse 6, it says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and it sets the whole course for one's life on fire. And itself is set on fire by hell. Satan uses our words to destroy people. There's people that are not in church. There are people that are not reading God's word because of Satan using people to do this. 
That's why we have to protect ourselves. That's why we have to protect our words. Because the same tongue that can direct is the same tongue that can destroy. And I'm just going to be honest. The, the, what I'm about to show you is going to be sensitive to some people, but this is real life. And I, I kept these in my desk. And, you know, box cutter. In 2007... A 49-year-old man come sit in my office. I didn't know him. Had never seen him. Brother Jack, some of y'all remember Brother Jack, brought him to me and he said, Brother Johnny, you need to talk to this man. So we went in my office and that man grabbed my desk and went to shaking it. And I'm thinking, hmm. And then he stopped and settled back pulled this out of his pocket and said, tell me why I shouldn't take my life. 49 years old. He said, because people have hurt me. They have told me I'm worthless. They have told me I'm useless. 2006, I'm standing up to speak in a youth service on a Wednesday night. Literally, worship had finished just like it just finished right here. I had my Bible in my notes. One of our ladies sticks the head into the door of the fellowship hall over there. She says, Johnny, come here. And I walk up. She said, you, you need to come talk to somebody. I said, right now? I said, I'm literally about to speak. And she said, right now. And she whispered in my ear. I asked Donnie. I turned around. I handed Donnie my, my Bible and my notes. I said, buddy, it's all you. And I walked out and went in my office. 16-year-old girl walked through those woods, saw the steeple on the church, and ended up in here, in my office. Why should I not take my life? I said, because God loves you. She said, but my parents don't. And they tell me all the time I don't. So you tell me who this God is. 2007. 65-year-old man showed up in my office. Never seen in my life. Same question. I've been hurt. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by church. And their words have hurt me. Why should I stay here? Two thousand year old man shows up in my office. Same questions. Same question. Why do I tell you that this morning? These four made it. But there's lots more that don't make it. Our words, our words can destroy or can build up. Our words can worship God like we just worshiped or we can curse people. We control it. But the Bible says we can't tame it. It says we can't tame it. It says in verse, verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. But my God that I love and that I serve, that created me and created you, he can tame that tongue. But we have to come to surrender. We have to say, God, I love you. God, I'm giving you my tongue. But that's not always easy, is it? It's not easy to give God your tongue. 
I think that most of the time, most of the time, I'm pretty successful at holding my tongue. Where I get myself in trouble is I like to pick and I have fun. And my family don't always see it as picking and having fun at 630 in the morning. But I, I think I control my tongue for the most part. But there's only a few people in this world that's ever seen Johnny Morgan not control his tongue, and that's because I was mad and I couldn't control it at that point. But we have to control our tongue because when you start looking, you know, when you start looking at his word, it says we've tamed. It says we've tamed sea, create, sea creatures and reptiles and birds and animals. You know, how many of us has ever been to SeaWorld? You ever been to SeaWorld? Have you ever seen them control those big killer whales? Is that, that the most beautiful thing in the world? <laughs> to me, it is. I love to watch nature. I mean, I can remember watching TV, and they've taught bears how to ride horses, which I think is crazy that a bear can ride, and I can't. But anyway, <laughs> they've taught bears how to ride horses. They've taught lions how to jump through flaming um, hoops, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, somebody told me that one time with my dog man. They said, you need to teach your dog. I said, no, them dogs cost too much money to jump through a flaming hoop, you know. But we've taught all these animals to do this, but yet we can't control our tongue. You know, and as James is talking to us through this, and he's saying, look, you know, you have faith. You've accepted him. And you're living for him, and you're doing, but you have to control your tongue. Because there's a world out there that needs to see God through us. And there's a world out there. There's people in this room right now, we get honest and say, I've been hurt by people. If we got real honest, there's people in here that say, you know something? People have hurt me. They have said things to me, or I've been the one that said those things to people. And so when you start looking at this in these words, you know, it's simple, but it's not simple at the same time. Verse 9, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Think about it. We praise God, but then we turn around and curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? The staff will attest, I do drink water every once in a while. We left Tuesday. We come back Thursday. I drank one bottle. You know, it may be woozy-headed, but it was all right. But, you know, there's nothing like a good bottle of water, they say. But then how many of us have ever been to the ocean? Do you gulp seawater? Do you just get out there and laugh at, boy, this is good? No, because it's nasty. And that's what he's saying. He says you can't have fresh water and salt water coming out the same spring. You can't live like this and like this at the same time and people see me. You can't live like this and talk like this and people see me in you. When you walk your school halls, do people see Christ in you? Or what do they hear in you? I taught for a year. I've walked the school campus. I can't tell you how many foot tracks I've put in Denham and Live Oak High School. And you get in those hallways behind students at times, and you're like, Woo. They need to put a rating on back of your shirt because it ain't wholesome. And that's what people are hearing. But adults, we're not any better at times. What are people hearing out of our mouths around the coffee pots at work and around our dinner tables at home? What are they hearing out of us whenever we're on the construction jobs or whether we're at a nursery? It don't matter. 
What are people hearing out of us? And he's telling us, he says, look, you can't have fresh and salt water coming out together. And I just, that's why I say I love how James kept breaking it down, breaking it down, because every one of us is going to see this in one way or another. He says, can a fig tree bear olives? Or can a grapevine bear figs? You can't mix them. And that's what James is telling us. You can't mix it. God's telling us, you have to live for me. All of you. It does no good to go on a mission trip and do all the good in the world and then destroy it with what comes out of your mouth. And so as we live for God, we have to live strong and we have to do it every day. Tammy, will you um, put up that acronym slide for me? I run across this the other day. I didn't think of this by myself. I wish I would have, but I didn't, so I'm not going to take credit for it. But it's an acronym for the word THINK. For T, is it true? And what it's saying is before we talk, we should think about this. Is what we're about to say true? H, is it helpful? What we're about to say, is it going to be helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Well, some of us, if we live by that acronym, we'd be mutes. We'd never talk again, would we? But think about it. How many times have your life intersected with somebody that said something true and it made you just better that day? Or somebody said something that was helpful. Now, sometimes helpful is being corrective. So you can't, I'm not saying you can't correct. So, you know, students don't think that, because I'm saying this, oh, mom, you can't correct me. That's not wholesome. No, you need to be corrected. What about inspiring? When's the last time somebody said something inspiring to you, Jennifer? Did it make you feel better? If I told you right now I loved you as your pastor, would that make you feel better? Inspire you? Well, good, come stand by me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we can inspire people with our words, can't we? Or say things that are necessary. Or say things that are kind. That's a stretch for some of us just to say kind words. But if we live like that, if we lived and kept it on our mind, all right, I'm going to live for God today. I'm going to surrender my tongue today. And as I live for God, and as I surrender my tongue, then I'm going to say true things, helpful things, inspiring things, necessary things, and kind things. And as I do that day in and day out, these things like I just showed you is going to disappear because people are going to see worth. People are going to see hope. People are going to see God. Because sometimes the only God they're going to see is right here or right there. And so we have to live it for him. And so when you look at the book of James, that's what I say, James gets in your business and he don't hold back. And whenever you look at your tongue, we need to learn how to hold back sometimes. We need to learn how to inspire people. We need to know how to love people. You know, because what's he tell us? Love your neighbors yourself. We need to love. We need to think. We need to be helpful. We need to be inspiring. We need to be necessary. We need to be kind. We need to love. <coughs> so this morning, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you loving? Are you being wholesome? What if we had a recording that played back?
the last seven days of your speech. Hmm. Somebody was right. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Some of us probably need to be right here, right now. 